Okay, so at this time, we will have our first message for this afternoon, brought to us by Mr. Art Williams, entitled Purpose, Destination, Eternity. Good afternoon, everyone. <coughs> there are many destinations that people like to go to around the world, and with the ability to travel the world is your oyster. You can go any place you want if you have the time and the money. Cancun, French Riviera, uh, oceans, mountains, South Pacific Islands. Takes a little money and takes some tickets. But it's not the greatest destination of all. The greatest destination doesn't require a cost. doesn't require a ticket. It's a free trip requires one thing, dedication, understanding, commitment, placing before everything else Jesus Christ and his way. I want to look at his purpose for us, which is destination eternity. His purpose for creating mankind, his goal. I want to look at his grand strategy and the objectives toward achieving that goal and how and why some changes occur. We all know his goal for us. <clears throat> he's going to make us spirit beings in his family of spirit beings, and he's going to give us the universe. What we don't know necessarily is all the little specific objectives that he has in mind we're going to explore why that is. And objectives are the smaller steps you take to get to achieve the grand strategy and then the goal that you have in mind. It says in Isaiah 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. And continuing in verse 10, he says, Declaring the end from the beginning, from the very beginning, he has spoken to man what his future will be. And from continuing in the verse, and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. And he begins with establishing his purpose and going down that road with Abraham. Or at least that's where I'm going to pick it up at in Genesis 18.18. And he says to Abraham a promise. Verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Quite a statement. Quite a statement. Abraham never got to see the fulfillment of, of that in its entirety, and he'll probably be shocked one day when he does. I suspect, just my own opinion, that there's probably a large history book being written somewhere that some of the old prophets will get to, to read and see and they'll have a real kick out of that. He says in Genesis 22:18, and in your offspring, now I'm reading out of the EVS, ESV rather, the English Standard Version. In the King James, the word offspring is seed. 
And in your offspring or seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have, avoid, you have obeyed my voice. And he goes on in Genesis 35.11 and in speaking with Jacob, he says to Jacob, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. So he's following through with this to Jacob. And he says to ancient Israel in Exodus 19.6, And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. And this was repeated for us in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2.9, speaking to the elect in Asia Minor, Peter says, in 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Many of the instructions that are in the Bible address our obligation to him to fulfill his expectations that he wants us to do as citizens in that holy nation and to our leader, Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 6, we find one of the objectives of the Old Testament and for ancient Israel Keep, in verse 6, Deuteronomy 4, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this nation is a wise and understanding people. Israel was to be an example nation before the world through which he would witness to other nations and bring them into the fold. But as we know, ancient Israel failed and this was not a surprise to God. But all is not lost. He says to Israel, even when they went into the land, and we have to be careful of this ourselves, do not say in your heart after the Lord, your God has thrust them out before you because it is of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me to possess the land. No. Whereas it is because of the witness, wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness, in verse 5, or the uprightness of you, your heart are you going in to possess the land, but because of the witness, wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you that he may confirm the word that the Lord spoke to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Here again, he confirms how the blessing is being passed down to further generations. And we see that in the world today. Moving to the New Testament in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Jesus Christ. So we go from having a nation that is going to be a light to the world, to individuals 
not limited by national borders, not limited by nationality, not limited by sex. All one in Jesus. These hidden, or you can extract from that scripture many instructions in how to deal and how to run your life, how to deal with other people. One of the significant points I think we heard a few weeks ago was the concept that we cannot advance the word of God by works wherein God disapproves. There are some organizations out there that do that and deceive some people. They claim to be Christian while they deny Christ as even being their savior. There's one in Tulsa, there's an organization in Tulsa like that, by the way. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Now these things happen to them, and he's referring to Old Testament Israel. Actually, all the events of the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 10 11. Now these things happen to them as an example. But they were written down for our instructions on whom the end of the ages have come. So we're to learn from the examples of the things that happened to them in the Old Testament. Why? Because those things are going on today. Perhaps more subtly, perhaps we don't see them all. Um, there's, uh, oh, I don't know, there's some very subtle things that, that go on. If, if you've had a, just a side point here, if you've had a new furnace put in your house, heating and air conditioning system, or if you bought a new house, or a, even an older house, but if, if that in, installation was done, oh, I don't know, probably sometime after 2005, you may very well find it. You may have a, 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 a number of service calls coming to your house every year because of the drip pan that's underneath because some of the agencies out there, when they install your furnace, they put a shutoff valve in the drain pipe that comes out of the drip pan. So the drip pan will fall up, fill up, and they have a sensor there, and they shut your furnace down. So if you see a shutoff valve in your drain pipe, go open it up. They do that so they will have service calls. Just one of the deceptive practices in our less than honest honor society. Um, lost my place here. Getting so excited. In Galatians 3, verses 15 through 18, we see the connection from the Old Testament to the New Testament. <clears throat> Here again, I'm quoting the, I'm reading the ESV, and again, the word offspring in the King James is seed. Paul is giving us this instruction. To give a human example, brothers, even when a man-made covenant no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, see, or seeds, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. That is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenantly, a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. 
But God gave it to Abraham by promise. And he continues in Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring or seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul goes on to say that in 1 Corinthians 15.50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And that's why Christ came. In John 3.16, we all know 16 and 17 by heart. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gift of God. And God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that in the order that the world might be saved through him. And it's interesting how much of the world denies him when he is offering them the absolute best future any human being could possibly want. He continues in 1 John 5, 11 and 12. A little more information on that, on, on Christ. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and his, this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And his purposes are unstoppable. Job tells us that in Job 42, verses 1 and 2. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And his purpose includes people. <clears throat> good people and people that are less than good. It says in Proverbs 16.4, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. But it's not only the wicked, but individuals. Psalm 57.2 I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Each and every one of you in this room today and those that are hearing my voice over the internet, he has a purpose for you. You may not be able to see it. You may not even see how he's molding you into a future creature. But he knows. <laughs> Sometimes when you get to be an older person, you can look back in your life and you can see some of those changes uh, and even get some insight as to perhaps why those things happened and how it, those events changed you as a human being. His various purposes involve nations, they involve individuals, they involve the wicked, the good, the converted, the unconverted, the rich, the poor, the weak, and the powerful. There's a scripture in Daniel 2.21 that talks about the things that he controls. Daniel 2.21. <clears throat> he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Changes the times and the seasons. Now we can go to Ecclesiastes 3 and we can read about that 
those verses that became a very popular song, Turn, 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 years ago. But when we see changes, <clears throat> he can be behind them. And he says in 1 Corinthians 13 eight, the old phrase, you know, nothing is more certain than change. Charity never fails. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I, in going through some of the uh, materials that we had at my folks' place before we sold that property, I found a little, a little book. It was probably written, I don't remember the exact, exact date, but it was back in the 1800s, 1890s or something. And it went through all of these things about how you hewn wood. And how, how all of the things that they did manually back in the day. And it was really, it was very informative and very intriguing. Now we don't think about that because we go out buy anything you know, from a store, Home Depot or Walmart or wherever. But it was very, very, very informative how knowledge vanishes away. Because if we had to go out and do some of the things that they did back in the 1870s and 1890s, we wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> we would sit there and say, oh my goodness, this is really hard work. And we have to reinvent it. But why? Why would prophecies change? Why would tongues change? Why would not knowledge vanish away? Because he alters his plans accordingly based upon what the circumstances are with mankind. If he has a king and he wants to use that king to punish another nation like he did in the Old Testament, even though that king may be less than honorable in his own eyes, he may still use him and change his heart of removing that king because of the, another purpose that has come about. One of the greatest scriptural changes is, of course, Nineveh. Nineveh was the ancient capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was known for its violence. And Jonah went there, and lo and behold, not only did the, 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 the people change, the king, when he got word of it, he published and it made an edict out of it. But in the end, a hundred years later, they were, or 100 to 140 years later, they were, they were destroyed for the same causes. The sequel to Jonah's book is Nahum. He goes through the sequel of what happened to Nineveh and how they were subsequently destroyed for the same reasons that they warned about earlier. Human nature the downward pulls. So knowing the times is important. Knowing the seasons and the times, the signs. In Acts 1 verse 6, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Oh, so... We can't know the times. No, no. That was a very specific 
very specific question. Because if you go to Matthew 16, 1 through 3, Jesus says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, let's go down to verse 3. And in the morning it will be a stormy today. It will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening, and you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. That's what he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But we know, because of what Jesus said later, there are things for us to watch for. In Luke 21, 34, he said, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. So there's a risk here of not watching. And he goes through a whole, there are a whole litany of scriptures. And I just got carried away. I must have, (laughs) I have many, many more than what I need here. I'll kind of cherry pick them as I go through here. Luke 21, verses 11 through 13. He gives us one thing to watch for. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilence. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. We're going to come back to the great signs from heaven here in a minute. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Does it make you want to quake in your boots? They're going to be, going to be persecuted, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and, government, and governors. Ah, finish the rest of the verse. Brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Verse 13. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Witness of who Jesus is. Instead of looking at with an attitude of fear, it is an attitude of opportunity to do the work of Christ in a very stressful environment. And that's why we have to keep focused on Jesus, stay close to him, even when we don't, we we're pretty say, assured that it might happen, might not happen in my lifetime because I'm 90 years old and I'm going to be dying in a couple few years or whatever and I'll be dead and gone before this ever happens. We don't know when it's going to happen. The opportunity is to always stay close to Christ, learn, grow, we strive for perfection <clears throat> and look at things as an opportunity and not fear because in Daniel 12, 10, it talks about wisdom. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And James tells us in James 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and will be given to him. That wisdom certainly is going to be very important Uh, for those that are alive at the time when these events actually come to fruition. One of the other things that he mentioned back in, alongside of the times and the signs are the kings. I'm going to read again from the ESV, Psalm 22, 28. For kingship belongs to the Lord. Now in the King James, the word kingship is kingdom. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. In the King James, the word rules is governor. But this shows that he is in charge of the earth. 
those nations that he decides to work with, he works with. We don't necessarily know who they are. He doesn't tell us. <clears throat> there is an interesting empire in history, and I like, to, I like to study history because of, I like to look at for the little glitches that happen, especially where somebody should win the war or win the battle, and they don't because some fluky little thing happens. One of those happens with the, the, the Mongol Empire. It was started by Genghis Khan. And his grandson, <coughs> Kublai Khan, was in charge about 1268, and he wrote a letter to those in Japan. And he told them, I'm going to take you over. I'm going to invade you. You can surrender right off, and I'll just become part of my empire, or I'll forcibly take you. And they said, We're not, you're going to have to forcibly take us. 1274, he started to invade them. And it wasn't too long into the battle, he realized he had insufficient forces. So he thought he would retreat and regroup and come back. In his time of retreat, his flotilla got hit by a typhoon and they sank. So he figures, all right, I'm not giving up. No big windstorm is going to stop me. He makes a whole bunch more ships. But for the sake of time, he doesn't make ocean-going vehicles. He makes flat-bottom vehicles. Now, if you know anything about being in boats and flat-bottom boats in a rough sea, you know that's not the place to be. So he's going to go back and invade Japan in, um, it's like six years later or so. I think it was 1281. And guess what happens? Another typhoon comes along. Guess what happens to his ships? Down to the sea and ships. Blah, 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 down they go. Twice, his attacking forces were wiped out by typhoons. You think maybe there might have been a hand from somewhere telling him, you're not going to have Japan. But he did have a big empire. It went from the Pacific Ocean in the east all the way over to the, the uh, Baltic Sea by Finland. Huge empire, and it didn't collapse until 13, oh, I forget, 1368 maybe, don't quote me on that. <clears throat> but he rules over the kings and over the governors, and he does that today. In 1 Timothy 6.15 says, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate and the king of kings and the lord of lords. It was a in Luke twenty one, eleven through thirteen, it's a prophecy about the end time. And he says there will be great earthquakes in various places, famine and pestilence, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven, continuing in twelve. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake, and this will be your opportunity to bear witness. We read that before. But the interesting part about it is um, they are going to be warned beforehand about what they are doing, the nations. In Revelation 14, 6 through 12, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. Here there is an angel flying through the heavens, preaching to them who dwell on the earth, 
to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So he's, this angel has total command of all the languages around the earth, or the people will hear it in their own voice. And it's going to say, with a loud voice, fear God and give God the glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that has made heaven and earth, see the fountains and the waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. The great city, and this is before Babylon actually falls, because she made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Because of the timing of the mark of the beast and what they, the nations subsequently do, we can discern that they were warned if they heard what this angel said. So they knew what they were doing. We're going to see what their reaction is when they're called on the carpet for it, so to speak. In Luke 21, 20, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Continuing in 24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trotted down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth Distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Then comes the gathering of luck in Matthew 24:30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. They will recognize the events in Revelation 6:15 through 17. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful And everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of God. For the great day of his wrath has come, who can stand. So they know and they recognize it because they were warned previously but they did not choose to go a different way. One of the opportunities that is before us presented in the letters to the churches. This is the Philadelphia Church. You know, there's a, there's a church organization out there that calls themselves the Philadelphia Church and another one that labels itself the Laodicean Church, but those are only names. It doesn't make, make it so. Revelation three ten through 13. Because you have kept my word and patience, endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one 
may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, New Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's a great opportunity, the destination that we have before us is all eternity. Um, we have a great and wonderful nation now to live in, which is, which is better than many, and all because of the blessings, that, the physical blessings through Abraham and through Ephraim and Manasseh, that those things have been uh, rolled out. Um, and it's interesting today that Many of the heads of states around the world, they know the name of Jesus. Whether you're in Korea, whether you're in Somalia, whether you're in Iran. And that's why they threaten their own populations with death. If they are Christians or if they're seeking to become Christians. In Timothy 2.4, I'm not sure if it's first or second, I didn't. It didn't come out on my printout here. It says, Who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? That's why prophecies might fail. That's why things will change in his plan. Because this is his overall goal. Desires that all people be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The nations will be put on notice at some point in the future. And after that will come the gathering of the saints and that's what you and I look forward to. And if we expend that out, we go way beyond that into the millennium for a thousand years and then after the millennium, whatever he has planned for us, which I personally believe is populating the universe as spirit beings and we're going to have back with us uh, I think many surprises that we didn't, perhaps would think that we wouldn't have. I think our animals are going to be resurrected because of the scripture that says, all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. You have like a dead cat or a dead dog or dead parakeet, dead rabbit, you're going to see them again as spirit rabbits, as spirit parakeets, as spirit birds, as spirit dogs and cats. And they'll be with you on your nation. Great, greatest destination for anybody to want to have is the destination of eternity. And we all need to strive with all of our strength to see that we get there.